homework, doing your research, um, and then figuring out, you know, depending on how big the company is, are there ties back here in the U.S. that you can connect with, who can connect you with the people over there? Um, you know, and it may take one or two years or more to get that business, but if it's big enough and it's worth it to you, that homework and that research and those relationship building um, efforts you make um, to make those connections are going to really pay off. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional, a group created for those who are looking and ready to live in purpose. Now over to your host, Tayani Tellis. Hello, and welcome to Posh Talks Podcast, where living intentional consists of high vibes and posh lifestyles. I'm your host, Tayani Tellis. And today's episode is Global Marketing and Branding with a Local Touch. Andrea Smith, Senior Marketing and Branding Director of the ad agency, discusses with us what she learned in her 15-plus years of experience in marketing, advertisement, and communication. Hello, Andrea, and how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good to be here. Hey, I'm super excited. So before we get into, you know, the guts of what you do and all the awesomeness that you have done over the past 15 years, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship and how you got started? Yes, absolutely. So um, as you described, you have bulk of the bulk of my career has been marketing and branding, being various companies, marketing director, brand director, um, you know, across a variety of industries, really. And I was in Scotland for a year, really covering a global branding director role, which was awesome and amazing. I'm doing a book about that now, um, which you could never tell me I would be doing that either, like a year ago. <laughs> right. And so um, I know. And so, so now, you know, that was probably four years ago when I moved here to Atlanta. And I was in a role um, with a company, you know, that should have been like just such the great hero role. They'd never had anyone in marketing before um, in a formal capacity, and they were poised for expansion for the first time nationally. Um, you know, so I already had my cool game plan together of what I was going to do to come and save the day. You know, they're going to be amazing and look fantastic and reach new customers and markets and all that greatness. And it just turned out to be the most toxic little work situation ever <laughs> just the most wow. worst thing you could ever I know and I was so disheartened by that and um you know so when that role ended thank god because I'm, I don't think anybody should stay in toxic situations whatsoever um when that ended I was just going to go to my next role I was like you know no problem brush that off I'm gonna just find my next new thing and it'll be great and um while I was looking, several people I'd met in the area here in Atlanta at the time um, just encouraged me to start my new, you know, my own thing. And, you know, a lot of those people I kind of like one-on-one, -on -one, you know how friends will ask you questions about marketing. They're like, tell me what I should do for my business. And, you know, so I'd one-off advise people. And uh, long story short, one of those people ended up super pushing me and they said, please, for the 50 million time, please start this. Um, and if you will start your own business, I'm going to be your first client and tell me what to pay you. Oh, wow. 
I know. And so I was like, well, I can't say no to that while I'm looking for my next job. You know? <laughs> right. That became – Right. I was like, you know, let's, let's, let's just do it. It'll be for fun. It'll be – this will be like side shopping money, you know, whenever you get your new job. And um, so I did that. That was in November of, like, 2016. And then that December, someone else came to me and said, Andrea, I've got – you know, they were like, what are you doing now? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking for my next role, but I also started this side company. I have, like, one client. And they said, I needed you yesterday. Here's my five companies. Tell me what you can do with them. And that was a thing that started paying the bills. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this could actually potentially work. You know, <laughs> like, I totally was not thinking of this as a business like that. Like, it could really – be my full-time thing, I was just thinking, oh, this will be, you know, fun to try. Let's, you know, try out a business and see on the side what it does. Um, but, yeah, that's how ADS started. And, um, you know, by January of that year, I still wasn't convinced yet, but by January of that year, um, I had the opportunity to go back into the corporate space. I was going to be back in another really awesome global branding role. Um, that was going to be with Intercontinental Hotel Group. I was really excited about that. Um, you know, and it, it seemed like I was the shoe-in for the position up until, you know, about three interviews in, um, the lady really apologized and said, I really thought I was going to get to work with you, and um, an internal candidate just popped up, and I'm so sorry, like, we have to, they take precedence over our external candidates. Right. Um, Yes, which at that moment I had such internal peace about that because, you know, normally I might have been a bit devastated, but I already had this business going and it was already showing me, you know, it wasn't cushy, wonderful, posh lifestyle, so to speak, but it was definitely, you know, it was it was showing me a path where I was like, you know what, this is possible. And I think that was the moment where, um, you know, I don't know, with whatever you believe in, but for me, for God, I was like, this is, this is a sign to me that I can go this way in the corporate space again if I want to. I know, you know, I have the ability to do that and the capability, um, and that's an option always. But right, and you didn't need to be hireable. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I took the the new scary uncharted path of entrepreneurship and I'm still here three years later. <laughs> so I'm totally good with that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So do you feel like you're walking in your purpose now? Um, because what it sounded like to me was like, you know, you went in with this intention on, you know, securing this job and working in this particular field. Of course you're um, the field that you're experienced in. And then there was like some delays or, you know, things that kind of, like, what's the true bubble in a way to where it was like, okay, well, what I thought I wanted, you know, is not intentionally what God wanted for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I think that's just, um, you know, being open to life and right. open to possibilities. Um, and I suggest everyone do that, you know, kind of follow your heart and your passion. Um, you know, it doesn't always show up the way you may have planned. I didn't think I was going to, I always wanted to start a business, but I didn't think I was going to do it until I was well in my forties, which I'm not too far for that now, but But I thought I had some more time, you know, and so it doesn't always show up in the pretty package that we think it will, but you know, you just got to go with it. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. So for those who are new, can you just explain, like, what the difference is between branding and marketing? Because, you know, a lot of times people are confused on what that actually is and the importance that both of them um, are, especially as a startup. Yes, thank you for the opportunity to share that. And I think everybody has their own different definitions of it. I'll just tell you mine of course. Um, what I, and what I tell my clients to help provide some clarity because there is a lot of misinformation. People get confused. They confuse marketing with PR and all kinds of other definitions and terms. Um, so marketing I see as a part of branding. Branding is your bigger overall arching um, umbrella over everything, and it's not just the logo, which is a part of it, and it's not just your colors, which is a part of it, or your voice, or your tone. All of that's a part of it. It's even bigger. You know, it's your whole entire reputation. It's what people think of you, and that encompasses um, how people are treated and how they regard you um, from a perception perspective. And so, so many things shape that. Um, so, a nice, simple way to think about all of this that tell people all the time is marketing is what we say and branding is what we do. So marketing is like the promise that we tell customers. Um, you know, we're the best, we're the fast, we're the greatest, we have the best quality, whatever promises we put out there. But branding is the thing that backs it up. It's the systems and the quality put in place to make sure that we're performing to those promises. So that's my overarching definition. Marketing is what we say, and branding is what we do. Of course, of course. Now, I love one thing um, in particular on your website, because I love your website, by the way. Um, Thank you. I noticed that you work with um, only a specific um, field of entrepreneurs or business owners, corporate professionals. How were you able to get narrowly niched on who you wanted to serve? Yes, that took some time. <laughs> that took some time, um, you know, because cause as you, you know, you've heard the story now, I did not plan to start ADS, um, my business, at all when I did. And so I had no, I had, this is like the most ill-advised way to start a business probably, <laughs> but I had no plans in place. I had no research put down. I had no thoughts put into any of it. So I was, you know, just swimming with it, going with it. Um, it did take some time, you know, to to whittle down on who I wanted to focus in on. Um, and even now, I'm still giving myself permission to um, shape and mold that. But I started out with the small business, small entrepreneur, because those are the people who were coming to me. And those are the people asking for help and who also had the capability to pay, <laughs> you know, for that help. And of so, um, yeah, so with this... <laughs> Very important, you know, because there's so many people you would love to help all day, but they don't necessarily have the funding to do that. Right. So, um, you know, and I think we all have a heart for the people who, who who don't have the funds yet to pay for an agency yet. Um, you know, so even with that, like I started creating some products where, um, you know, if you have every entrepreneur has to DIY some of this stuff, everything, <laughs> you know, you all start off by yourself typically unless you're very well funded, you know, from a different source. But most people start off as a solopreneur, and that means they've got to have those DIY tools put in place for themselves. So right now I kind of speak to um, two different audiences. It's your small business solopreneur who's trying to DIY it before they can be able to pay an agency fee, 
Um, and then it's also the small to medium-sized businesses uh, that can pay for an agency, but they maybe not, you know, they may not have a marketing manager on staff or a full-time marketing person, or maybe they do, but you know, one person can only do so much, and they don't have. Not one person has every skill set needed um, to complete a whole marketing program. So, you know, they're going to need outsourced help and that kind of thing. That's where ADS stands in. So, it's all been organized yeah. by uh, by organic growth. It's all been organically created. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it, and I'm glad that you mentioned um, that. You know, you you spoke to two different audiences. Um, do you think it's possible, especially for um, service-based business owners who are consultants, coaches, to service two different markets um, simultaneously? I wouldn't say necessarily markets, but definitely audiences. Um, I think you, and I think that's what, you know, where you're leaning towards. Um, I definitely think we all cater to a number of different stakeholders all the time. You know, and so, um, especially with your small businesses who have employees and all that. You've got internal customers who are your employees. That's an audience you have to talk to. You have your customer base who can be segmented um, greatly, you know, depending on behavior, the psychographics, or, you know, order size, depending on what your, what your business is. Um, your customer base can be segmented quite a bit as well. Um, then you've got, um, you know, a number of other stakeholder groups that you could be talking to at any given time. So I hear a lot of times where people are always like, you only have one audience, and I, got, I, I just don't believe that. <laughs> I think you have several stakeholders all the time that you have to cater to and communicate with. Vendors are a part of that too. Um, you know, and I think being in the big, huge corporate world taught me that, um, you know, about the many different stakeholder groups, which I consider audiences that you will have to speak to and the different messages they all have to receive. Um, you know, because what you send to an, an old customer, say you acquired a company, um, what you send to an existing customer wouldn't be the same message you send to the acquired customer. Um, and then it wouldn't be the same message you send to your internal employees and all that. So, yes, you can have more than one, more than one audience. Yes, I love it. Um, and um, just to piggyback off of what you said, you know, I teach a lot um, in my courses my audience is on how to streamline their products and services where you're able to have an offering um, for each, you know, income level especially because I think a lot of times that's what it um, boils down to is whether people can afford you or not. And I like to teach people how to streamline their offerings where it's saying, okay, maybe you're um, a high-level coach, but maybe it's something that you can provide them on a lower tier level where maybe it's an e-course or a book or something that they can utilize for a lower price. And then as they progress and they're using your tools and tactics, they're able to create more money because hopefully if you're providing them with great valuable content and information, they're able to advance in their businesses. You know, they're able to implement different strategies and they can, you know, funnel through your other offerings and ultimately, you know, reach that market where they're able to afford your higher tier offering. So would you agree um, as a strategy, or do you know one or two strategies that business owners can also implement? Yes, exactly. No, I do think that's very smart. And I think that's a um, – I think what you're alluding to is um, is grooming customers, nurturing them down a path where they start seeing success on one level. And then because of that um, and the services you – especially if you these – service-based businesses, because I think you're also in marketing and branding as well. 
um, right. you know, growing your initial growing your initial customer to the point where they can afford higher work because their revenue has increased as a result of working with you. Um, you know, and then the more they succeed, the more you can succeed with them. Ideally, is the perfect path you know to go down. <laughs> That's really what we want to do is grow our customers, right? So um, they're happy, then we're happy, and it should all um, work to make each other successful. But yeah, I love right. that. Yes, definitely, definitely. Now we talked a lot about the startup business owners. Now I want to kind of transition over into those who may have been in business uh, for a period of time and they're looking to scale their business. What are one or two strategies? Um, marketing-wise that you can give entrepreneurs who are hitting that roadblock in their business or that, you know, that stagnant growth um, mark in their business? Yes. Okay. So I would absolutely look at um, hiring on a brand operations specialist, uh, which may not be the most search-friendly thing, but ask around. You know, there are people who specialize in you know, in that space, particularly in operations, because what a lot of people um, fail at when they're scaling is they don't have the operations in place to to maintain those promises of excellence that they had to get them in this place in the first place. So, you know, if they, you know, are a wonderful local success story and they're wanting to expand nationally for the first time, um, you know, locally, every you know, all the systems they have right now um, – probably works to create a wonderful customer experience. But when you're expanding, how do you replicate that? And how do you create the processes so that when you're hiring in Arizona, they're creating the same exact experience for their customers as they do in Atlanta? Um, You know, that requires a heck of a lot of process, um, process creation and replication. And that requires someone who really knows what they're doing in that regard. <laughs> like you really need someone who understands um, processes and systems. Um, and that's the part that we tend to fail at as solopreneurs transitioning to, um, to bigger entrepreneurship and expanded entrepreneurship for the first time with multiple locations or global reach. Um, so I would say, number one, you know, the best, the best thing you can invest in strategically is um, branding operations, so making sure that you can maintain that great promise um, wherever you go, and that's as a result of getting these systems down on paper, these processes down on paper, the training in place, um, so that you can replicate success wherever you go. It's like the number one best thing you could possibly do. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. I just love all the nuggets that you're dropping in the gym that you're giving. <laughs> so thank you so much. Now, what about for those who are interested in reaching a global market? You know, as an entrepreneur, everyone has big dreams, big goals, and um, of course, I'm a visionary, so I'm like, you know, just dream and you know, but also do. Um, how are businesses able to um, transition not only um, in their current market but like globally? Yes, and honestly, um, you know, I'm still I'm still learning this myself, but from what I've seen so far and what I've learned from my own personal experiences to date is it's all relationship driven. And right. I know we hear that so much, but it absolutely is relationships, so it's finding that key, you know, whatever your target is, you know, whoever you want to go after, if it's a manufacturer in France, um, and you're right. like we really want this business 
you know, doing your homework, doing your research, um, and then figuring out, you know, depending on how big the company is, are there ties back here in the U.S. that you can connect with, who can connect you with the people over there? Um, you know, and it may take one or two years or more to get that business, but if it's big enough and it's worth it to you, that homework and that research and those relationship-building um, efforts you make um, to make those connections are going to really pay off. And then, of course, you also have your wonderful marketing strategies you can do. <laughs> you know, so um, that's a wonderful thing about LinkedIn ads and um, and Facebook targeting and all of that. You know, depending on who that business is and how big they are, you could potentially even target the titles with your advertising on LinkedIn, for example. I love that. Um, Especially, I love that uh, LinkedIn Mail is a great place mm -hmm. to do that as well. So, yeah, it's very possible, you know, but it's, it all still boils down to relationships. I would say the combination of the advertising with um, your, your personal relationship building and business development can really make that happen for you. Yes, yes, yes. So what do you feel um, most entrepreneurs should focus on when it comes to their marketing? Like, you know, there is a lot, of course we know that there are a lot of components when it comes to marketing, but what do you feel like entrepreneurs should put more focus on based on, you know, the businesses that you've worked with? And, um, you know, for just for example, for myself, I've noticed that a lot of people go, and of course this is more on the branding side, they go and get their websites, the logos done, um, but they don't know their brand messaging. They don't know, you know, who they're targeting. They they miss out on that part of the company. So where do you feel like people, entrepreneurs should put more of their focus when it comes to their marketing to, you know, reach their clients to ultimately convert um, sales into sales? Yes, well, to your point, which is so great, I'm so glad you mentioned that, um, you know, really making sure that found, all those foundational elements are in place. And sometimes, you know, we'll get with someone and, you know, we're so singularly focused as solopreneurs, we're thinking, okay, I know I need a website, I know I need a logo, uh, and I need these social media sites opened. Who can do it? Boom. Check. Done. You know, <laughs> so right. it's kind of like... It, they kind of feel like it's a sedative, forget it. They're like, okay, I'm running to my next thing. And really, you know, it's like, whoa, wait, let's come back, you know, because without, to your point, those foundational elements of really understanding our target audience um, and really understanding their pain points and their motivations and how to speak like them and how to reach them, you're going to find yourself quickly disappointed, um, you know, when you're like, okay, I did it all. I did everything the marketing guy said to do, and now where are my sales, you know? <laughs> Yes, and so um, it's and it's a very frustrating place, especially when you you've expended um, you've expended those investments uh, in a nice website and your branding and maybe even have a little style guide and all that wonderfulness, um, you know. But those foundational elements should still be there: your competitive research, your messaging, your target audience research, all those good things. And you have to understand it yourself as the business owner and the importance of it um, in order to make it all work for you. So it takes time. You know, it's not like, boom, in one month it can all be done and then you're off to the races um, magically. You know, sometimes it really takes time to understand those elements, and that's okay. Um, you know, but it's understanding that it does take time and not to beat yourself over the head over it or, you know, to quit your job immediately either, <laughs> you know, um, without, 
yeah, expecting mountains of sales to roll in and you haven't even proven the concept yet. So uh, aside from that, you know, assuming your foundation set properly, then I would say really content marketing is my baby. And I really, I have a focus for that. Um, Every business needs it. And not every business knows how to do it really well. Um, And also, businesses tend to think that they have to do it all and be everywhere. Um, I have to be on YouTube. I must have a podcast. I have to have an email list. I have to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, everywhere at once. And everyone has to hear me all the time, 24-7, you know, all over the world. It's kind of like the feeling that entrepreneurs have, and it gives them so much anxiety. They're like, I can't do this all. Like, what in the world? I can't figure this out. Um, you know, they get burnt out really fast. Um, so I would say to breathe and calm down and to focus on the area that's strongest for you. You know, so if you're an audio person, maybe the podcasting is the place to go. Or if you're great on video, which not everyone is, but if you're open to that and you can do that, that's like the most engaging form of content you could ever create. You know, so focus on videos. Or, you know, if you hate all of those, focus on blogging and your emails and all that. But have one key strength area that can really connect with your target audience um, and focus there and grow strong there first. And then you can branch out, you know, as it makes sense. I would say, you know, to tell entrepreneurs, don't feel like you have to do it all. Um, even yeah. as tempting as it is, um, focus on your strong area first and, and grow, grow great there <laughs> before you yeah. start rolling out everywhere else. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned that because I'm, I'm just like you. Like, I'm like, you do not have to be on every platform because every platform is not, you know, conducive to your business model or structure. You know, I'm only on LinkedIn and um, Instagram heavily only because that's where, number one, my customers hang out, and number two, that's where, you know, the platform I know that I get the best return. However, um, people have to look at who are you servicing. So, of course, if, you know, you have a boutique, Instagram is probably going to be great for you because it's a visual platform. You know, LinkedIn may not be unless, you know, somebody you're trying to connect with some type of manufacturer or something of that nature, but you have to really figure out, like, where your audience is hanging out at and um, how is this platform that you're seeking after, um, you know, great for your business. So I really love that you um, touched on that. And we're getting close to the end, and this has been, like, really, really great information. But I have, like, one last question for you. So okay. I, read on your, I read on your website you have a blog section where you talked about having a great launch party. Why do you feel like that is important for entrepreneurs to do, and how can they do that in a way where they're not cashing themselves to death and still providing a great experience? Yeah, I think launch parties can be really awesome, you know, especially depending on what your business is. But if you have the funding to throw a great one, um, you know, why not? I think it's a great way, especially if you can really – target and invite some key people that mean so much to your future business, the right influencers in the room, um, the right key target audience people that you, you know, potentially, especially big clients that you want as prospective clients in the room. Um, If you can get those people there, I think it makes a lot of great sense. 
But even um, I've had clients who've done just online launch parties, you know, <laughs> which sounds crazy and like, what? Who's coming to an online launch party? But it can be really fun if you pull it off right with like cool video and all that good stuff. Um, you know, so it's just a nice way to make a splash, depending again on your budget. Like you shouldn't do it if you're scraping together pennies. <laughs> you know, don't throw a launch party. But um, if you have the funding there, like why not? Do a really cool launch party and get some press going for yourself. Um, you know, make a nice splash in your target audience. Say, hello, I'm here. Uh, I think right. it's a great way to, you know, really get some nice attention. If you're inviting all the right people, it can really be awesome. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. So um, is there any last words of advice that you have for our listeners? If not, how can they find you and support you? Yes, um, you know, last piece of advice, just remember um, marketing is what we say, branding is what we do, um, and take it easy. Don't feel like you have to do it all and breathe. It will come to you. Um, but like you said, focus on the foundational elements. And we're really pretty easy to find. We're just the ADS agency everywhere, T-H-E, ADS, like ads, like advertising agency. Um, and that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, all those wonderful places. <laughs> and so, um, and also at theadsagency.co, C-O, because we're cool. Yes. That's our website. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love why you're like, .co, because it's cooler. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again for being a part of today's show. I really, really enjoyed you, and I'm thankful for all of the gems that you dropped today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And, again, listeners, all of the information on how you can get connected and also follow the ADS agency will be in the show notes. Remember to subscribe to www.intentiallyposh.com for upcoming episodes. Remember, our Posh Pads Houston event is now February 2020. So if you're interested in being a part of this event, head over to www.intentiallyposh.com. Lastly, share this episode with someone that you know can benefit from it, whether it's a friend, a family member, and remember to subscribe. Also, please leave a review. We love hearing from you. I read every one of the reviews, so I would love it if you let us know how, if you enjoyed this podcast and how we can do better to serve you. The more people you share this with, the more content and valuable information we are able to provide you. And as always, have a high vibe, intentional week. Thank you again for listening to Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast was brought to you and sponsored by Women Living Intentional and Intentional Investments. Want to learn more about us? Check us out at intentionallyposh.com. And as always, have a high vibe intentional week.